President Tsai Ing-wen called for a Taiwan-U.S. bilateral trade agreement on Tuesday when speaking at the annual meeting of a U.S. business group. In her speech, she underscored Taiwan's close economic partnership with the U.S., saying it could be uh, made even stronger with the BTA. She also congratulated the American Chamber of Commerce in Taipei for changing its name to AmCham Taiwan. For her second time as president, Tsai attended AmCham's annual general meeting on Tuesday. She wasn't drawn by reporters when entering the venue. In her speech, she congratulated AmCham on its name change. Amcham Taipei is in the process of changing its name to Amcham Taiwan in a sign of warming Taiwan-U.S. relations. In her keynote, Tsai touted Taiwan's COVID success and its GDP growth rate of 3.33 percent in the third quarter, the highest among the four Asian tigers. Has always been an important economic partner for Taiwan. Taiwan's total trade with the United States in the first half of this year has exceeded that of India, making Taiwan the ninth largest trading partner and the eleventh largest export market for the United States. Tsai said that since September, U.S. companies including General Electric, Google and Microsoft have announced Taiwan investment plans. She said her administration was preparing for the Taiwan-U.S. Economic Prosperity Partnership Dialogue, slated for Friday in Washington. I have spoken a lot on the close partnership between Taiwan and the United States thus far. And this very close partnership will continue until the Taiwan and the U.S. can remain even stronger with bilateral trade agreement. Speaking to reporters, AmCham Taipei Chair Leo Seawald said he believed a BTA would be possible only after Taiwan resolves the issue of U.S. imports containing ractopamine. An online discount retailer created a buzz on Tuesday when it moved from the virtual world into a traditional market. Its employees usually make YouTube videos to promote their products, but just for a day, they hawked their wares in real life. They talked up air purifiers, vacuum cleaners, and massagers, and offered free demos right on the street. And by on its own measure, re results were great. The goods went fast, and by going offline, the retailer says it was able to reach a broader demographic. And right now, water bamboo, or Manchurian wild rice, is right in season. But do you know all the ways to cook up these Taiwanese veggie? Mike, I know you cook, and I know you cook for your family. So how many ways do you know how to cook? Well, I do enjoy cooking, and I guess when it comes to water bamboo, I'm like most people, uh, grilled, sautéed, and right in the hot pot. But anyway, so let's head over to Sanzhi, one of the top water bamboo hotspots, for some creative recipes. Plump water bamboo is fried in jingsha sauce, making for a salty moorish hit followed by the soothing sweet bamboo heart. Here's the farmer in the field, expertly brushing aside leaves to pluck bamboo from the soil. 
Compared to most water bamboo, Sanji's grows very thin and straight. It's crunchy but soft in the center. Freshly harvested shoots are fried with salted egg yolks to bring out the flavor. Then more blanched water bamboo goes in the pan with a sprinkle of chili and spring onion to set off the sweetness. Water bamboo is a mild taste. Put in a little salted egg and it tastes delicious. It can also be cut up fine and mixed with leg of pork to make a filling for dumplings. A delicious scent hits you when you open up the skin. September to November is the water bamboo season. In 2018, Sanji produced 930 tons of the crop. Last year, it was 1,283 tons, worth more than 200 million NT. I've grown water bamboo for decades, and it won't be more than that this year, perhaps the same. Chen Chongshou has been farming for 50 years. He hopes the fame of Sanji water bamboo will just keep on growing. The Taiwan External Trade Development Council has unveiled a virtual pavilion that lets visitors try out new eyewear in the comfort of their own homes. The online exhibit uses 3D uh, uses technologies including 3D modeling, virtual reality, and augmented reality to let visitors interact with the products using a smartphone. Let's see how it works. One second he's on top of Xue Shan, the next he's on the stage. Taitra Chairman James Huang takes to the front line to promote a new virtual exhibit. There is no need to wear a heavy VR headset. Taitra's virtual pavilion lets visitors interact with the products using their smartphone. Just go to the website, click a frame that catches your fancy, and it will appear in your face as you look into the camera. This year, we worked with a startup to offer virtual exhibitions, but we thought we haven't done enough. We felt that we had to improve and evolve. So very quickly, we rolled out this advanced 3D technology that you can see today. The new 3D modeling technology is a step up from 2D rendering, which makes the products look flat as if they were in a catalog. Now, visitors to the website have a 360-degree view of every product so that they can inspect it from every possible angle. In the future, even when physical exhibitions resume, virtual exhibitions will be part of the new normal. In addition, physical exhibitions only last four days, or maybe up to a week. But virtual exhibitions can be live 365 days a year. Smart and medium-sized enterprises can participate in Titra's virtual exhibits using just a cell phone by photographing their products and putting them on display. This lowers the tech threshold and costs involved for vendors, helping them transition smoothly into the digital world. Taiwan's elite bookstore chain has revealed new details about its very first Southeast Asian outlet. It will work with Malaysia's YTL Corporation to open a shop inside a multi-story shopping mall in the heart of Kuala Lumpur. It will span 2,000 square meters and include a coffee shop and creative goods. The grand opening for this sprawling new project is slated for 2022. When it comes to Taiwan, the bookstore is taking on a different operating strategy. Elite closed down nine locations in Taiwan just this year. In 2021, it plans to add just one or two medium-sized locations. The focus will be on expanding its network of small community bookstores. Known as the Butterfly Kingdom, Taiwan is home to at least 454 species of butterflies, and 54 of which are endemic. The National Taiwan Museum in Taipei is celebrating Taiwan's wealth, uh, wealth of butterfly biodiversity with a special exhibit until April 25th. 
Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang take, takes us in for a look. The National Taiwan Museum has held an exhibition on the topic titled Butterfly and Blessing, Resonance Between Art and Science. If you take a flashcard and aim it at the lens, a 3D image of each developmental stage will appear on the screen. My town is a butterfly kingdom. You can come here and watch a lot of butterfly specimens. And we also prepare a video and specimen. So you come here, yeah, you can understand what the resources of a butterfly in Taiwan. The exhibition was curated by Yang Ping Shi, an entomologist and a professor emeritus at NTU's College of Bioresources and Agriculture. The exhibition features collections from the National Taiwan Museum butterfly specimens selected by National Taiwan University and butterfly antiques from Yang's personal collection. Yang has collected a wide variety of ancient butterfly jade pendants over the years. In this table, we uh, introduce Ming and Qing Dynasty uh, butterfly pendant, Ming Dynasty, because it is simple. And, be, and this one is maybe com complex, uh, complicated uh, in the Qing Dynasty. Due to the efforts of the Department of Entomology, National Taiwan University, National Taiwan Museum, and the Taipei Zoo, there's been increased interest in butterfly watching throughout the country. Uh, conservation of uh, butterfly in Taiwan is progressive. Yeah, we use uh, butterfly resources in education and uh, environment education uh, or nature education. Yeah. So in Taiwan, uh, is a uh, butterfly watching uh, is nice place. Uh, uh, very f also very famous. Apart from the exhibition, which took three years to prepare, Yang also wrote a book titled Preparations for Butterfly and Blessing, published in both English and Chinese. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Wu Dongmao in Taipei. Teen swim sensation Eddie Wang has once again broken his own world junior record. The 18-year-old from Taiwan put up a time of 1 minute 49 seconds 89 hundredths in the men's 200-meter butterfly at the International Swimming League semis. This was his third time setting the world junior record for the event this season. I'm very happy that Eddie was able to get past the 1 minute 50 second barrier. It shows Eddie is already swimming at an international standard that he can compete against world-class athletes. This season, he's been continually topping his personal best, as well as this 200-meter world junior record. This means that this year's training program has allowed him to constantly improve his swim. Wang got the junior record, but he didn't win the race. At the semi-final in Budapest, Wang came in second-hand behind 29-year-old U.S. Olympic gold medalist Tom Shields. The Olympian completed the course in 1 minute 49 seconds and 2 hundredths to set a new U.S. record. Edamame, or young soybeans, is a popular side dish in Taiwan. But have you heard of the edamame plant drink? Food technicians at the Council of Agriculture Station in Kaohsiung have come up with a way to down edamame in liquid form. They hope it will create a market for beans considered too ugly to be served on a plate. 
Edamame beans are sprinkled with black pepper and chilled in the freezer. But have you ever drunk an edamame beverage? A packet of edamame powder goes in a cup of water. This is the new plant drink from Kaohsiung Agricultural Improvement Station. To develop this edamame plant drink, we mainly use freeze-dried powdered edamame kernels and make a drink from it. It has zero cholesterol, high protein and high fiber. Taiwan has beaten China and Thailand to be Japan's primary edamame producer for 11 years in a row. Bringing in hundreds of millions of NT dollars annually, it's big business. Now this drink means even cosmetically imperfect beans can make a profit. As a freeze-dried product, one kilogram is worth up to 1,500 NT dollars. It's just come out this year and we hope to make 100 million NT dollars within five years. Japan is an obvious target market, but producers hope the U.S. and Europe might buy in too. It's got a slightly stronger bean flavor, so we might add an appropriate natural ingredient to improve the taste, a bit of fruit or some simple flavorings, to make the product more amenable to Japanese consumers. The consumption of edamame in the U.S. and Europe is increasing enormously right now. For them, they think edamame is a superfood. The product might still get tweaked to fit customers' taste buds, but the developers are confident the latest creation can make beans a sturdier financial bet. One of the most remote mountainous districts in rural Kaohsiung has got its first facial recognition system. The machine installed in an indigenous village in Namasha district aims to make it easier for village residents to send doctors their latest medical stats. Doctors at Kaohsiung Medical University Hospital say the innovation is just one part of their ongoing work to improve rural health care. A lady looks straight at the screen for a photo, and the face recognition technology identifies her. This machine can help you take your own temperature and blood pressure. It's the first facial recognition technology to arrive in Namasia and allows residents to send up-to-date medical stats to doctors, even if they don't have their NHI card to hand. It's so convenient. We hardly ever carry our NHI card around in the village, but with the face recognition, we can test ourselves anytime. We're also going along with a household registration system, which could become a health passport, kind of like the health passport people are talking about. Kaohsiung's three most mountainous districts are Taoyuan, Namasia, and Maolin. They cover a large area, but have very few inhabitants and sparse transportation. Medical resources are scarce, too. For 20 years, the NHI administration has entrusted these citizens' health care to Kaohsiung Medical University. We've made emergency medical care rounds for 23 years. Through free clinics, we discovered many people living with chronic conditions who then entered the medical system. In order to serve citizens in remote areas, we're bringing in more information technology. Doctors hope that introducing high technology and developing a health passport system will upgrade medical care for remote villages. They vow to keep improving the service they provide.